Welcome to episode 34 of the Reimagining Work podcast with John Wenger and myself, Rogi Noord. Um, we hit record again while we were talking and this episode is about the individual. It's about you. It's about you as a freelancer or you as an employee that gets stuck in a rut or as a freelancer how you have to conform to rules and regulations and um, maybe this episode is about spreading one's wings and uh, taking the world uh, by the horns and making things happen for yourself rather than having your life lived by somebody else's rules. Uh, anyway, uh, the podcast is close to uh, 55 minutes. It's a long one, but I hope it's a good one. And I hope you enjoy it. stretched to capacity the system can't cope and any other little pressure on the system just makes people like governments um and the older institutions go um just just ban just ban them just don't let them do it or or try and put roadblocks in the way so my friend my business partner i'm recording by the way okay oh okay so um decided that she wanted to change her name by deed poll which we can all do we can all choose our names she didn't want a surname. She didn't want to go by a surname. So she'd go to places. And now with more bureaucracy, or if you try and sign up for something online, it doesn't let you do it unless you have a surname. Now, yeah. where's, where, is the, where is the universal law that says we have to have one? Yeah. There isn't one. But no. bureaucracy dictates yeah. that if you want to do anything from buy cinema tickets online to enroll in a university course or apply for a government loan, you have to have a surname. So it's like the system didn't know what to do with that. And I think that's the same with, with freelancers. Systems sometimes, or government systems, don't know what to do with it. Now that's probably part of the reason, I guess. It's, it's, so we're talking about freelancers. So if, if you have too many freelancers, it, their behavior is inherently unpredictable. Right? Yeah, you don't. They don't even know most of the time what they're going to be doing in six months' time. I mean, that's the life of a freelancer. You don't know. You get a gig, you do it for three months or six months or maybe a year if you're lucky. But after that, you know, you don't really know. And if you're a steady employee, you traditionally know what it is that you're going to do. You know, if somebody asks you what what is it that you're going to be doing in five years' time, exactly the same thing I'm doing now. I have no aspiration, I have no ambition, this is what's going to happen. And that's cool, right? And it's controllable and it's predictable. And I guess governments like that. I think there's another, but there's a, there's a piece in there that, um, that needs to kind of be added in, which is, yeah, you might say that somebody who's in a, in a regular full-time job says, well, I, I suspect I'll be doing this in five years. But increasingly, when I speak with folks, they, there's more and more people have got a, a dream or a vision for themselves of doing something else that they have since the social contract began to get watered down and you know uh, we would see that in the name of increasing shareholder value companies just let go of people 
that loyalty is broken down on both sides. And I don't want to get into a discussion about, you know, you started it. No, you started it by, you know, getting rid of us in the first place. But people are going, actually, maybe this is about me and my family and my community, about what I want for me in the world, mm. rather than seeing that what I do as a job is something that defines me. Mm. So, yes, it's, it's true. that, And I think this is where the system, the, the bureaucratic systems come in. We've seen and we viewed people as resources, in other words, as things which are predictable and controllable. But now people are going, actually, oh, no, oh, really, no, we're not. Humans are not predictable and controllable. In essence, really, we're not. So I think some of the, the rise in freelancing and solo entrepreneurship is related to people um, maybe being made redundant or you know, you know, situations forcing them to have to, to do something on their own. But so many more are going, actually, I quite, it's quite attractive to me to craft my working life around my picture of what my whole life means to me. Um, you know, I've always wanted to um, be an artist and baker. I've always wanted to run a bed and breakfast. I've always wanted to um, be a, a life coach or whatever it is that people are increasingly going off and, and doing. And so many businesses are run by you know, they're one man and one woman bands, or they're two or they're three people. Um, and I think that we're going to find more and more people are, you know, sort of organizing their own working lives increasingly. And I think I've mentioned that before that, you know, I remember reading The Age of Unreason by Charles Handy back in, in my 20s. And I, I read this as some sort of science fiction dream book, like, oh, this sounds beautiful, a portfolio, portfolio career. That sounded really attractive, but just it wasn't done. People didn't do it. Now I've got it. That's what I've been doing for a long time um, because the trade-offs and I think the, the story I've mentioned a few times to other friends is that the day I gave up my last full-time nine-to-five job, I became about 300 million percent poorer but about 559 gazillion percent happier <laughs> that I was the master of my own destiny yeah. and I left, a, uh, I left a very mediocre job working for a horrendous boss and um, that and the impact on my well-being mattered far more to me than that I knew that I was going to get the same pay packet every week. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. I mean, it, it interests me, um, the, the rise in articles I'm reading about stress in the workplace and mental illness or mental unwellness being not purely a biological thing, but one of the many factors in mental health and mental illness is our environment, which, you know, seems really sensible to me. Yeah, but you're talking about people and, and, and uh, the, the building that you're in and all oh. those kind of things. Um, <clears throat> we usually, you know, moan and complain about an individual at work or uh, uh, where you have to park your car or the route to your commute or, you know, stuff like that. And, um, but it's everything, right? Mm. All the elements. It's everything. All these elements have an effect on you, mm. uh, whether you see them or not, but, uh, or where you, whether you're aware of them or not, mm. but they do have an effect on you. And they do determine your mental state. Um, so that kind of goes to uh, offices being designed with well-being in mind, uh, when done well, can actually have a positive effect 
mm. on employees, making mm. them more at ease, you mm. know, uh, in the workplace, simply because of I don't know a good chair, maybe something like that. I mean, I when I was working in Brussels, I had a very annoying chair. One of the wheels didn't work. <laughs> And I complained about it again and again and again and again and again, or quite regularly. And just get me a new chair. How difficult can it be? Well, turned out very difficult. It took ages. And um, it made me miserable. You know, it, it didn't help uh, with all the other things that I already had on my plate. Uh-huh. And uh, so, yeah, if you can take away certain elements of irritation um, it can make you happier and mm. for some people a new chair would do that uh, for some people a new screen a new monitor would do that or uh, a pay raise of two percent would do that mm. um, for let others, me read let me read you a little thing that's all related to all the because all what you're saying is there are many many factors which if you take them on their own you'd kind of go, oh, well, you're making a big deal. But all those kind of factors together. So here's the thing that was um, uh, published on the 25th of February, so just not even a week ago. A yeah. survey survey of more than 1,300 HR managers has found that 44% report their level of stress has increased in the last six months. And the article goes on. Um, uh, 50%, 59% of junior managers report feeling more stressed now than they did six months ago. Perceptions of workload may help to explain increased stress levels. So workload's a factor. Junior managers were less likely to feel that their job is secure. Yeah. So job security. A majority of managers reported they never have enough time to get work done. Yeah. Um, roughly one in two managers, irrespective of rank, whether they're senior or junior, reported worrying a lot about work outside of hours. Yeah. Managers at all levels reported lacking control of key features in work, particularly the pace at which work is done. You know, all of those things put together, it builds up this picture that says, you know, workplaces are just, they're just toxic. Yeah. They're not good for us. Yeah. And then another thing in today's um, Guardian I read, the, head, the headline is mental health problems aren't all in the brain. Basically saying, yes, there are some biological factors. There are some, there are some other factors, but it's also environmental. It's about the chair that you sit on and, and everything that goes on. Of course. And it just seems like, you know, all, all of those things are being neglected and at, at great cost to people's, you know, well-being. People being, uh, a friend of mine years ago had um, serious time off work for um, a case of workplace bullying, ah. um, which took a long time to get, to get proven. Ah, yeah. And, and repeated visits to doctors, being sent to doctors against her will so that they could prove that she was actually, that, to use their terms, that she was crazy. And as it transpired that it was being caused by the managers who were sent, sending her to these psychologists to get her verified as crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a technical term, by the way, crazy. So don't write in and complain. But I, I you know, it's for me if we reimagine work the biggest one for me is that they're healthier places yeah. you know it's not about whether we have had a digital transformation or not or um, people are having better conversations and better life. it's all of those things but that's the, the thing with digital transformation feel. also that's right? what I mean. I mean it's not just the one no, thing no, no. Those things yeah and, and it's also like digital transformation or social business or whatever you want to call it it's mm. it's not the holy grail 
right? That's right. I mean, if you, if you have a program where you go through a digital transformation, whatever, and you do have a reasonable interaction on social media and you do have a reasonable inter interaction on your enterprise social platform and those kind of things, it doesn't guarantee anything. Oh. Uh, and the only thing that you can get out of it is creating a certain awareness, a certain mindfulness where you can look around you and say, okay, so now we've had this, everything that happens on my screen is it's, it's quite streamlined. I mean, it's cool. I mean, these new tools are cool. I'm using way less email. I'm, I'm little, I'm, I'm much more, my workflows are better. What's coming in is better coming out, blah, 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 all those kind of things. It's fine, but it's still all in that little screen. Uh -huh. I mean, if you're still sitting in a really bad chair, and you're still getting a repetitive strain injury in your hand mm. and the air is still not filtered and you still, as soon as somebody coughs somewhere on the other side of the room, you know, ah, oh, there we go again. I'm going to get sick in a week time. You know, uh, if those things are not dealt with, it doesn't mm. matter what you do. Right. Mm. I mean, it helps a little bit, I guess. But in the end, I mean, you, there, there are other elements, real world elements oh. Uh, oh. that you might want to take a look at oh. have you heard about uh, i'm not sure if you would have you would have heard over there but tat t-a-t-t syndrome t-a-t-t t-a-t-t it's a shorthand that doctors have written on their notes for a long time here and now it's been given this title of tat syndrome and t-a-t-t means tired all the time oh yeah and it's not about just being tired. It's, it's about a whole bunch of other things. Mm -hmm. Lack of energy, feeling sleepy through the day, loss of motivation, poor concentration, difficulty making decisions, difficulty making doing strategic thinking, mm -hmm. difficulty carrying out daily tasks, feeling depressed at various points, whether short or longer term, for no reason, no apparent reason. Mm -hmm. And it's related to um, people being deprived of sleep because of stress going on at work. Mm -hmm. Um, or in their home lives, or it, all that kind of cumulative buildup of stress and overwork and too many things to do, um, and that now it's becoming a thing. We have now just, just you know, sort of um, other things We're which they say may, may be related, you know. Um, uh, if you're not able to go off and do some exercise, when's the chance for your body to do some healthy physical activity? And, you know, if we can start to see everything is connected, um, then maybe we'll have bosses that stop blaming their staff for being um, ill all the time and go, hmm, maybe there's a little bit of something yeah. going on in the office that we can do something about, you yeah. know? Well, people are not trained to think that way, right? I no. Mean, no, no. Uh, managers are not trained to, to think that way. They're not trained to uh, observe in that way. Oh. I mean, they're trained or... They're, they are managed in a way where at the end of the, uh, the quarter, uh, when they go up, ah, these are the numbers, and, and, and then they're asked, and uh, oh, the, the, the amount of people that were sick on your floor, yeah. that was, it was a bit high the last quarter. Uh, that needs to come down uh -huh. because it hinders productivity. And the manager goes like, yeah, but, you know, no, 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 no. I don't want any buts or ifs or whatever. I just want that number to go down. Yeah. Period. Oh. That's it. Oh. I don't care how you do it. Just do it. So next time when somebody gets 
ill and stays home because somebody on the other side of the room had a cold and you're uh, susceptible to that. you don't get sent home to get well. No, you're getting bullied into staying at the office. Mm. And it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter how you behave. It doesn't matter what your productivity is going to be. It matters that at the end of the quarter, that manager can tell his manager, look, there's the number of sick days have gone down. And that's it. Mm. And then, yay. Yeah, again, it comes back to the old, the old sort of broken slightly broken thinking which which focuses on on certain quantifiable things which may or may not mean anything sick days like the, the statement you said earlier so you know there's a load of sick days and that affects productivity well that's a fact i want you to get those numbers down i don't care how you do it well that's a dangerous sort of thing so that if sick days come down i don't think you can then say well productivity's gone up because other things may have affected it you've bullied people so their professionalism declines their motivation declines it may not affect productivity, and it's also too too much focused on that sort of those the sort of narrow focus, short term things. Get sick days down. At what other costs, you know? Oh, that's that's that's. It depends on where you put your priorities and and, and yeah. where you put your points of measurement. Mm. Uh, and I wanted to say, I mean, I've had managers, obviously, and some have been. Um, uh, like the managers we talk about, um, very few have been the opposite. You know, giving you all the time in the world to recuperate. And after mm. my personal, after my burnout, mm. uh, I mean, I was really well taken care of. Mm. And uh, that is a very positive experience, and it mm. gives you a lot of strength and a lot of positivity to move forward, mm. which is important. Mm. Um, but I can say. I think just by uh, hearing you talk about an article that you just said and, and the percentages mm. that you just mentioned, uh, it's easy to deduce that obviously um, it isn't well. It's not going good mm. Mm. Uh, with, the, with most of the people that were interviewed for, for those statistics. Those HR managers, yeah. Yeah, HR managers. So. I mean, there's definitely something wrong. If you have those kind of numbers, mm. then clearly the priorities are skewed. They're mm. clearly focused on numbers and results mm. rather than humans and behavior and those kind of things. Mm. Yeah. Otherwise, you won't have those kind of numbers. Otherwise, those numbers will be lower, right? And uh, so that, that's, I think it's, it's a worrying thing because people can only keep it up that long. Mm. Until they just snap, burst. Yeah, you know, and like, like I think it's it's related to so many of the things that have been going on for years. And, and I know it's a bit hackneyed, but the old the old um, example of the boiling frog, you know, mm. and we've just sort of endured little bit, you know, little incremental change, little incremental change to our working conditions, little incremental change. Oh, they've cut our lunch break, so they've taken away. Um, an extra day's holiday or there, you know, making us work an extra or there's incremental, incremental, it seems, you know, inconsequential, but cumulatively, you know, now I'm reading more about the, the cultures of busyness mm. that people still struggle to say it's five o'clock, I'm going home. Mm. 
um, and there's that kind of implicit pressure that you'd just work the extra bit or you'd you'd um, you're somehow not quite up to scratch mm. and maybe you need to worry about job security if you think it's important to go home at five o'clock maybe you don't want to so, work here right? and, and, and I mean, that's a message you're you're sending out that, I mean clearly well, you that, don't want to well, work here that, that's right and that's how it's perceived but it's more related I think to the managers own situation of feeling stressed at their workload increasing and the only thing that they feel they can do I suppose is to pass it on to other people which is you know seems like a reasonable thing when you are stressed it's uh, it, it reminds me of uh, the teacher in uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall mm. right where he's home with his psychopathic wife yeah. and yeah. Uh, yeah. stressed and within inches of his life and and the only thing that he can do is uh, take it out on the kids because he has to do something with that, mm. right? And the only thing that he can do is just beat children. And um, I think that still happens. Uh, well, this was going to lead on to my, my the, the thing also about allied to the whole kind of culture of busyness is the, the stigma that we still hold around mental illness. I use that term very broadly, but that right. includes things yeah. like Tat, the tired all the time, or yeah. the, um, you know, I, I don't feel right. I don't know what it is. You know, but people take mental health days off work um, because they just don't feel right in themselves. They're not quite sure. But it, all these things are just sort of leading them to not feeling well. Mm. We have a stigma around anything related to mental health. Yeah. Uh, things, I mean, things ha are beginning to change. I, I know, but you know, so slowly, right? So. So the teacher who's, you know, um, you, you know, you, you described from Pink, Pink Floyd and you say the only thing he can do is to take it out on the kids. Well, there's not the only thing, but the thing that we resist doing is going from talking about it or having to do something about it. So when I hear someone say, happy in my life, and I think, well, so what are you going to do about it? It's not to be hard and cruel. It's to go, well, that's a, you know, inside I'm thinking, well, that's quite a good piece of awareness to have got to. Mm-hmm. How, how often do we sort of admit to ourselves I'm not happy in my life? Because it's the thing that will get us off our arses and maybe doing something different. And you don't have to do it on your own, you know. Can you help me brainstorm things I can do to get out of this unhappiness rut? Mm. It's really useful and to do. And that's taking charge of your environment, right? I mean, because oh. there's two things. Um, so the second thing is... Uh, so. If you are an employer mm. or an employee, sorry, um, what could you do about it, right? Mm. So the first thing is uh, the whole happiness thing. Mm. Uh, that's one of the downsides of social media, right? I mean, yeah, all the happy faces and the thumbs up and all that kind of. And the Instagram lifestyles. That and the Instagram to... lifestyles. And, and one of the things that I kind of enjoy watching on, uh, on YouTube is, um, and some do it very well, some are annoying and I stop watching them, but rich kids, rich kids oh. uh, making videos uh, about their cars. Oh. And one of them is, is he's actually pretty good and, and he's taking it very seriously by now. He's traveling all over the world, and, but he buys very nice cars and he's, mm. uh, he, he visits these places and he's going to meetings and meetups and those kind of things. And he shows you all these wonderful cars. 
and and he does it very well so he's enjoyable to watch but the, the idea behind it is i mean his dad is just stinking rich right so he gets mm. to do those kind of things he gets to buy those cars and gets to travel to abu dhabi or to geneva mm. or what, wherever mm. and um but if you cannot uh, what's the word uh, make it relative those kind of things mm. um it can make you pretty sad right mm. it, it can put you in a place where well he's got this lifestyle Mm. And uh, and and he's got all these cars, and uh, the, the the good thing is this guy is not very flamboyant, right? There's not women everywhere or whatever. It's just about the cars, mm. you know. He's a car nut, so I can relate. But I I really must tell myself, well, he's he's lucky. I mean, he's he's got a lucky break. He can do these kind of things. Good for him, you know. I'm not gonna mm. be jealous. Mm. I might envy him a little bit, but that's mm. it. Mm. But if you have a continuous stream of people saying, oh, I'm so happy today, oh, I did this today, or I managed this and I've conquered that, or and all those kind of things, and you're just dragging your feet trying to get through the day, mm. uh, it really doesn't help with your mental state. No. Right? Because we try to avoid saying out loud, oh, man, um, so effing depressed right now. Yeah, why is that? I really see no reason why I should get out of bed today. Yeah, and, and, and folks that do that, that actually express, it's you know, a call for help. They're saying, there's, rather than not saying it, they're saying it out loud. Mm. Who, whoever thinks that that's a good thing? And and nobody I think that, would. And that sucks. For yeah. me, that sucks. So because here's a human being who's actually got... How else are we going to know? Exactly. How else are we right? going to know? So here's a human being who has got to the point of saying, actually, life is not going so well for me. And people take a step backwards, they get their coats and they leave. Hmm. People because don't want we to haven't be confronted been confronted with because of... if you if you allow somebody else I mean it's the it's the same old same old. When you meet somebody on the street and you go like, Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Merci, merci. Whatever. So dude, I'm not good actually. Because mm. you know, I just had a, a major breakdown yesterday. I couldn't mm -hmm. stop crying. And I really don't see the point. You know, people are scared shitless when somebody mm -hmm. would say that to them because they don't yeah. know how to deal with that. Yeah, and uh, one of the more bigger problems, I think, is, I mean, that confronts them with their own yeah. personal vulnerabilities. Exactly. exactly. And that's very dangerous. I mean, nobody wants to do that. Mm. And... Um, yeah, and managers don't want to do that. Managers don't know how to deal with that. You know, mm. They can help you uh, if, if with uh, improving on your working environment or your workflow or you know mm. the, the workload, those kind of things. Mm. But they can't help you with with severe uh, mental illness. And let's face it, um, when you add things up, um, when you're talking about TAT, and all those mm. kind of things. They're not minor issues, right? I mean, they're yeah. very significant long-term problems, things that have been building up or breaking down over a very long period of time, some, 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 sometimes ever since your youth or whenever you started working or whatever, for maybe 20 or maybe 30 years, you've been nurturing uh, this situation. And that brings me to the second part, I guess. 
um, change is extremely difficult for some people. Even those that really want to change mm. are aware of the fact that the situation where they're in is unsustainable. Mm. It gives them problems, physical mm. problems, mm. and not just mental, but whatever stress is going around. Mm. I mean, they're getting an ulcer or mm -hmm. whatever. But actually making that change mm. to do something about it, mm. that is the most difficult thing, the hardest thing to do. Ab absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, you know, I know those stories of, you know, uh, people who wouldn't leave partners that they were seriously unhappy with or who are bullying or abusing Abusive, them. Yeah, because it's sure. a bit like the better, better the devil you know sort of thing. Yeah. The thing that that kind of the thread that runs through all the stories of redemption through all of that though is and when I spoke out I realized I wasn't alone and you see that that for me is the single most important yeah. thing yeah. is for you to realize you're not alone in this yeah. like if we because you use the term for serious mental illness and my mind instantly went to schizophrenia and I thought well that's not what you're talking about managers are not equipped to deal with serious mental illness yes that's true it's a bit like I'm not equipped to deal with um, complex heart surgery but I am equipped to heal you know to deal with a cut I can, you know, I can do minor stuff. Sure. I think, I think every one of us actually has the capacity. And to you, do you, you have the capacity to listen to somebody who exactly. has been through exactly. Heart surgery, so, right. So, you know, I, I think what I'm talking about is not serious mental illness like long-term conditions like schizophrenia. I'm talking about the kind of the common, the common, increasingly common episodes of mental unwellness. Mm that are related to the tat, you know, and people who for weeks and weeks on end just aren't getting enough sleep and they're not performing well at work because the brain's not functioning properly mm. because they're also not exercising and eating well. Mm. But, you know, we have to work harder because we're not doing well at work. We have to work harder as if that's the most important thing. And this whole notion of work-life balance has got to be thrown out the window because mm. it's not about work-life balance. It's just about having balance in life. Yeah, in general. Um, so I think we are all actually capable, and I think it 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 we, you know we could do worse than learning a little bit more about how we listen better to each other, and just be there. And I think one of the things that scares people also, because I've also heard that you know no one if you say how are you, no one really wants to hear. Actually, I'm having a really tough time. Oh, right. True. It's contextual, of course. There will be certain friends in certain situations where you say, so how are you doing lately? That feels a little bit more like an opener to that question. But we we ask each other how are you all the time. How open are we to hear the, the real answer to the question? Well, the, so if somebody, if some, deep, yeah. and so we're we're reluctant to say actually, uh, slightly things have been a bit difficult because we don't want to impose on other people because we project onto them. Or well, you want you don't want to hear my problems or you know people. I've also heard folks say, I asked how they were and they started to tell me and oh my god and they went on for hours and they just <laughs> and I thought and that's your attitude. If you had the same situation, is that how you'd want people to think of you, exactly. that you were a burden on them? Yeah. So we have to shift entirely, I think, yeah. how our attitudes towards each yeah. other and, and you know, how we, how we co-live mm. together. Yeah. Because well, we're all the boiling frogs in this situation about work. That's why we are trying to reimagine it. You know, well, you're, we're in it together, sort of. right? I mean, you're not alone. You're never yeah. alone. Yeah. It, even if you're a, a one-person freelancer... Uh, fine, but you're not alone. I mean, there's yeah. no you cannot have your freelance uh, uh, lifestyle if nobody else hires you, right? Or nobody mm -hmm. hires you. And once they do, you will be working in a team. You will be working with other people. You're never That's alone. Right. 
you know, especially in, in the workplace, you, you're simply never alone. I mean, mm. even when you're working on the International Space Station, you're not alone. That's right. Right? I mean, <laughs> there's always somebody there. I mean, yeah. there are very few jobs where you're utterly alone. And let's face it, I mean, you'll always have a manager. I mean, uh, you have to answer to somebody. And uh, so I guess, <laughs> you know, there's always somebody. There's going to be some. There are going to be people you answer to. That's right. In your in your circle, in your network, in your community, yeah. whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So there's yeah. always this awareness of, of having people around you, and uh, as soon as you are in contact with other people, mm. um, you run the risk uh, of being asked, "How are you?" Mm. <laughs> And or asking how are you and, and mm. getting a certain answer and yeah um, I must say I think um, dropping it a little bit back to digital transformation I think it can help in the sense that in order to do a, a good digital transformation you need to learn to be aware of certain things right mm. much more than because we have learned unlearned to be aware of certain things. Over yeah the, over the decades right we, we 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 disconnect more and more and more and more and the whole idea of digital transformation is that we reconnect oh. and if we reconnect with each other through a chat session or whatever in uh -huh. order to get things done uh -huh. rather than sending in uh, an, an an email which might come you know, in the top of somebody's mailbox and might be answered at some point, but you don't have to confront that person at the moment because it's an email. So, uh, but you must learn or relearn to connect. And if you do that, um, then that human connection that we all crave so much mm -hmm. uh, might, you know, get a little bit more to the front again. And we might yeah. have a little bit more room for each other. Yeah. And I think I, I think there's a there's a piece in there for me, which is that whole thing about the transformation. You know, recalling Anne's Anne McCrossan's um, term "digital human," that doesn't mean that we are we ourselves are going to be digital beings, but that our lives is lived, that our lives are, are going to be lived in digital spaces, which are no less real than analog spaces. And I think and I think there's a there's a thing that. Um, we all have to get our heads around it. Digital doesn't mean Terminator, Rise of the Machines. It doesn't mean a cold, heartless thing. It means a different way of being a human. Which you and I, you and I, get our heads around. It's an extra layer. But digital human means that what's going on right now for listeners, we are recording this over Skype. We're not even in the same country. But this conversation is no less real to me than it would be if you were in the room with me. And that's what I think about di being digital is. So we can. We can reach out and be good helpers, assistants, listeners to each other on digital media as well. You know, so I'm you know, tiny little plug. I'm just about to reopen my counselling practice, which I have left for, for a number of years, but I'm going back Shameless. into it. So in those in the intervening years that I haven't been doing practicing at counselling, uh, there's been this huge rise in online counselling. Which back when I was doing it, I even though the digital world was around and I was, you know, there was Twitter and there was, you know, in its early forms, those sorts of things. Couldn't get my head around how it would work. But so many counselors are using Skype calls to do counseling sessions. Now it makes sense to me. But you see, there, there's no less real of a relationship 
for those folks who are using it yeah. than it is if I with me in my room with the client. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I must say that um, there's kind of a, a catch there, right? I mean, you have to be aware of who it is that you're counseling. If it's some sort of uh, techie that is continuously frustrated about the use of technology at work and you're doing a Skype session and the Skype session falls yeah. out, yeah. I mean, that, that, that it can be good. <laughs> but then again, yeah. I mean, uh, if you have to travel with public transport for mm -hmm. half an hour to get to your, and mm -hmm. you have this, uh, uh, it's called something, something, something. But uh, I mean, if you're claustrophobic, there's no way you can take the tube, right? Yeah. I mean, um, if you have to walk from one end of Waterloo to the other end of Waterloo, you better mm. not have any of those people, large people crowd thingies, anxieties. Agoraphobia. Yeah. Agro you won't make it to the other end. You know. So for those kind of people, it would be very helpful to have something. Yeah. yeah. And if you're in another country, I mean, if you if yeah. you have a certain reputation uh, for helping with a very specific, uh, you know, kind of problem or in a, in a very specific field then this would work fine. I mean, oh, uh -huh. uh, I, 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 I can see that, yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah, in my vast experience of counseling that I've had experience. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that extensive. All I'm saying is that the opportunities for us to be better humans to each other um, abound endlessly <laughs> now that yeah, we have the step. Exactly. They abound anyway in our day-to-day -day lives in our workplaces, but now we've got this other media, these these other media through which mm. to do it. Um, it's it's an it's an exciting time. Yeah, it's not necessarily it is not something that you need to be scared of or something that you uh, or should fear or um, um, be worried about. I mean, you, you can just embrace it and use it to your benefit, right? Mm. And and I think that's that's something that a lot of people need to learn mm. with modern technology. Um, use it to your benefit, but in moderation, right? I in mean, moderation, yeah. Don't do the thing like the other thing that it's temptation, and I've done, I've done this, and, and you may have as well. When you you feel a slight chest pain, go on the internet. I've got chest pain. So don't, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't do the thing of you know. So you know, I've also um, spoken with people who've kind of self-diagnosed themselves as having schizophrenia or you know bipolar, and I because they've read a, a, a selection of some things mm. and zoned in on some of the symptoms that they have, mm. you know, oh, for physical ailments as well, you know, or if there's, you know, something slightly wrong with my older dog, I'm on there and said, what does this mean? And oh no, he's got cancer. No, he's fine. Take it to the vet. No, he's fine. You're not a vet. I am. Oh, that's right. Thank you, doctor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So the opportunities are there, but yeah, also in, in, in moderation too. Yeah, I think also the, the time that people spend on social platforms, for instance, and, and the, 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 what is it, the, the, the fear of missing out, um, those kind of things, right? I mean, people tend to um, be excessive with new things. Yeah. Uh, especially when it gives them some sort of uh, fulfillment or or a place in the world, like uh, like many drugs do, or you know, uh, or other types of behavior or whatever. I mean, being in the loop on Facebook 
know, being continuously reminded that you exist <laughs> in a virtual space, in a digital yeah. space. But you know what I what I've felt in in the past at times if I felt um, you know, down about something or perplexed about a particular thing going on for me, one of the beautiful things about the the digital space is that is blogging. I mean, I thought blogging was a revelation to me years yeah, ago when true. I first started to read them, and it felt like there was a bunch of people who were you know that thing we said earlier. You're not alone. So for goodness' sake, don't feel that you are the only one who has ever gone through this. Mm. So doing the, the a bit of hunting online for things like that was something that would would for me have helped me actually say it out loud to someone yeah. there's always so that I didn't else. and I felt a little bit less um, a less um, that there was something wrong with me because again that comes back to the whole stigma that we've all we've all been brainwashed but we all hold that we still all hold some stigma about what it means to be slightly unwell mentally nobody seems to have a problem if I'm ill for a week with a serious flu but People aren't so keen to hear that you're you've been um, depressed for a week. Mm. It's just it's, it's scary because they don't it, know what it, it is. I mean, they, they don't know how to deal with it. Yeah, uh, it might reflect on them in some form or fashion. Uh, mm. They might realize that they are not as healthy as they thought they were. Um, mm. But it's 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 the same thing. I mean, it's the same thing as as hearing somebody's got cancer. You go like. Oh, Oh. Jesus, how are you going to deal with that, right? Yeah, yeah, that's um, right. And it's it's difficult. I mean, I yeah. I, I I get that, and, yeah. and it, yeah. it takes, you know, it takes something to mm. be aware of that and to, you know, uh, be but able you to may, listen. You you may have found. I mean, listening. That's the key. I mean, we keep coming up with that. You may have found in your in your time, as I have, that in in by far the moments that I felt that I needed companionship or, or that I was I was low or confused or that life was just not going well really 99% of the time I just want someone to listen yeah, not true. to fix it yeah. not to ask me more questions yeah. just to be and listen yeah. and acknowledge that they were genuinely listening and not listening yeah. by tapping on their phone but actually listening yeah. and letting me know that I was hurt yeah. and it, it's fascinating the number of folks that I've seen in, in practice where that would be the common thread that to have someone who just listens yeah. as they worked out first what were the questions that they were actually asking themselves and two what's the answers to those yeah. questions yeah. and so when people come to you you know if, if you're you're right boss doesn't have the ability to deal with serious mental illness but any manager can be a human and just say come in my office for half an hour yes. you know I, I have had one or two managers like that and honestly they were all I needed is just someone who sat and listened. And I think they, they were clever. They saw that as part of their job too. Mm. So going back to the individual, right? I mean, if, if uh, assuming you have two sorts, two types of worker bees, right? You have the steady employee and you have the freelancers. Mm. And then you have obviously people who have their own business, mm. uh, which can range from a small B&B to having a factory of some sort. Washing dogs to, yeah, anything. Washing dogs, yeah. okay. So uh, let's put aside the ones who have their own business. Then you have the freelancers, people who you know rent out themselves for mm. a particular job. Mm. Usually these are a little bit uh, wider and flexible in what it is that they do, you know, um, because, you know, st they still have to have work and... Um, 
Oh. Then you have the employers, the employees, sorry, oh. did it again. And so for the freelancers, they are pretty in control of their life, right? They're doing would something. Count, would you count like Uber drivers and things like that? No, I, I don't really. I mean, I think they're kind of difficult to mm. put in a box, really, yeah. because they're yeah. not freelancers. So freelancers uh, like you and me. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, who go into a company, perform a certain task, yeah. get paid and get out again and go yeah. to another company and do yeah. a certain task. Um, I, I'm not sure what to consider Uber drivers, actually. Um, mm. I think they're like the most exploited people in the planet at the moment. Mm. So um, I don't want to go there. Um, maybe in a future podcast. Maybe in another future podcast. work. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so if you have an employee, uh, when we get back to uh, the conversation that we had with Anne uh, mm. McCrossan and, and the stuff that Richard Martin and Kenneth Mickelson are talking about, you know, people mm. who are multifaceted, mm. who can do more things but mm. are still wanting to be in, in employment. Mm. Um, but you have people who are unhappy uh, well, you know, if, if one scale you're a freelancer, you're getting the jobs that you want, you're making good money with those jobs, mm. uh, with the assignments, and, and you're, you're living the life, you're doing mm. good, you're doing mm. well. Mm. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have this slightly underpaid, slightly overweight <laughs> um, employee who knows what it is that he or she is doing is not mm. worth it, pushing that paper from one end to the other. Mm. Um, I mean, those are the people I really worry about, uh-huh. right? Because they're the ones uh-huh. who go home with this uh-huh. negativity uh-huh. and uh, who would find it very difficult to, to find any positivity in, in, uh-huh. in their private life. Some are very apt. You know, some are very capable in doing this. Yeah. Going home, leaving everything behind. And being happy for the kids or the husband or the friends and family and during the mm. weekends. I have great respect for people who can do that. Me too. And, uh, but on the other hand, I do worry about the distance they have to create between them and the work in order to shield themselves from it. So, yeah. but if you're in a situation like that, right, we're talking about what you need sometimes is just somebody to listen to. And mm. I'm, just, I'm just thinking that how, how do you well, find hang on. somebody like that? Hang on, that, that, that last bit I think is really key, that they may be happy because they've got satisfying home life and social life and stuff and they don't derive the happiness, from they don't work. derive much happiness from right. positivity from work. Right. So, which, which would you say? Oh, this is a dumb question, perhaps. But which is more important? <laughs> let's do a let's do a Twitter poll. <laughs> being which is more important? Being happy at work, or having a life where you feel you're you've got that has meaning to you. Yeah, because the they they can be mutually exclusive. Yeah, I know so many people who have happy lives. They're really because their lives are meaningful. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have kids, but, but friends of mine who've got kids, that is, honestly, for probably until they get to 13 years old, the best thing in their lives. 
you know the the joy and the meaning that 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 comes to them when they do this and they have a the happy satisfying family life and yeah. fun weekends the work may be very mediocre yeah but life has meaning yeah. and there are people who may be doing jobs which make them happy and they come home and they feel life has no meaning what have i done with my life yeah true but they you know what We're i mean the freelancers so, that that just spend all the time working Working, you know, they working. do have the car, they do have the money, but they yeah. they don't even have time to spend it. Does it have right? any meaning? Yeah. And, and then so, does it have any meaning? Yeah. So, yeah. So, if 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 the person who was unhappy and probably felt life had very little meaning, I think having a listener alongside to help them to go maybe get to a point where they want to look at options to do something different to create some more meaning. Yeah. Or to get a bit of happiness in, in a different kind of job or something. Mm. Um, but this is where I think the whole thing about work-life balance nonsense comes into it. Like we've got this idea that work and life are separate. It's if work has has meaning, and I think work. I, I would like to think my work is meaningful to me. Oh, you've got to find meaning. Working in it, life right? is important to me, but it's not so important for other people. Meaningful life is more important. And actually, as I get older, it's about having a meaningful life. And, you know, I, I know for myself, yet I'd, Friday was my first day in the garden this year. <laughs> I felt so happy at the yeah. end of that day. Yeah. That life felt just great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All of my life felt yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's meaning is the, is the important yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so basically, if you can, if you're able, find meaning in what it is that you're doing. If you can't find it in your job, finding it in your private life would be the, oh. the, the most important thing. But find something meaningful to do. Um, when your job is so all-consuming uh, that you're mentally and physically exhausted at the end of the day oh. and all you just want to do is Netflix and, uh -huh. and, and binge uh -huh. and that's it. Um, yeah find help get help yeah right talk find to the, somebody find someone who listen yeah. yeah yeah get a either a good friend uh, mm. that is willing to spend time with you mm. or a family member mm. or by all means get professional help mm. and seriously don't be afraid to do that i mean mm. i've talked to people about that too and they said the biggest the most important decision that i've ever made was go and talk to a professional mm. And um, and find one that that suits you. That suits you, yeah. Because it's not always the case. You don't yeah, always have right. that click. It's not per definition that if you talk to a professional, it, then you're okay. Find someone who who you can really have a good conversation with. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's the quality of the relationship you have. Yeah, and it's the is, only way. I think factor, it's the only yeah. way to get out of that slump, right? Out of that situation. And I'm sure there are people out there who really want to change something but simply don't know how. They're simply yeah. running into walls all the time. Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's they just don't have enough money, they just spend too much time commuting, there's just too much work, you mm. know, they just can't find the energy or whatever it is that they need in order to change something. And for some people, it can be very fundamental, very risky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, very... Um, uh, permanent in some cases. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, which I know in one or two cases. Yep. Yeah. And we really want to avoid that. 
Mm. So get help. Talk to somebody. Yeah. Call John. I mean, just send us an email or whatever. <laughs> if you, <laughs> if you know, seriously. I mean, if you just don't know, then start somewhere, right? Yeah. And and don't give up. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. On that note, time to say farewell. <laughs> well, reimagining work, reimagining life, reimagining health. But health is yes. my is my thing I've been aware of lately. Yeah, yeah. everything is More connected, health. right? Yeah. More health in the workplace. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm dealing with my my mental state. Yeah. Well, not I'm not saying that I'm crazy <laughs> although some would argue against that but just just finding my own balance in my head you know the mindfulness and the awareness and those kind of yeah. things yeah. okay well that was a good one yeah so if people do want to contact us just go to the website if you're listening to this you will know where to find us uh, if you want to talk to us or do anything uh, John is a professional. I'm not, but uh, I can always say, tell you to talk to John. <laughs> I'd be very happy to do that. As also open to um, being connected with on social media. Yes. And please share share our podcast around to others if you've enjoyed it. Yes, that would be helpful. Okay, thank you and goodbye, and then until the next one. Bye.